Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 134. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. From high atop the stately Lee's Comics mansion, we bring you the Lee's Comics Radio Hour with tonight's special guests, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Cerebus the Aardvark, and yours truly, Wally Fields. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store, based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale. For half off, choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar. Scroll down to Sellers and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Dennis the Menace, originally a comic book panel introduced in 1951, expanded into a comic book series, an American television series starring Jay North, an animated television series, and subsequent television series, books, and feature films. There's even a chapter on the British version of Dennis the Menace and Dennis' longtime association with Derek Green and his playground. Pocket Full of Dennis the Minutes by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions explores the entire history of Dennis the Minutes and is available now on Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Hey Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, examining the monkey songs one by one, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey's solo years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? 
those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the Prefab Four, Mickey, Davy, Peter, and Mike, the Solo Monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> get Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey Solo Years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. I've turned in the final edits for the TTV scrapbook, and it should be released sometime this fall from Bear Manor. I'm also currently working on my Mad and Turtles books, an article about Dino Writers and Popeye for Back Issue magazine, and more funny stuff for Andrew Goldfarb's Freaky Magazine. No news yet on my other books. Happy Halloween! On today's show, we have a returning guest who's back to promote his new book called The Book of Top Ten Horror Lists. Here he is, Charles F. Rosney. <laughs> and welcome to the Halloween edition of Fun Ideas Podcast. And with us today, we have Charles F. Rosenay, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And he's going to talk to us today about his top 10 horror lists from various celebrities around the world. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to do one of my voices. I was going to do either Bela Lugosi or Boris Karloff. Go ahead. And I, and I figured... It's a visual. It doesn't do the same. When I do like radio interviews and I go, that is so nice to be on your show. Or, or you know, or, or Peter Laurie, I'm so happy to finally be here. It has more of an impact than when you see this same face making those sounds. It doesn't really have the same. I don't know. I had Keith Scott on here as a voice of Bullwinkle. And when he was doing it, it's just a kick. Just watch him go, hey. <laughs> Because you know he's the guy doing it, you know, and it's like, wow. <laughs> so, Ma Mark, are you a monster kid, too? When I say the name Peter Laurie, do you instantly know who that is? Who? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, he was in that Jerry Lewis movie, The Patsy, right? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, he was also in Mad Love and Amity. <laughs> no, I do know who Peter Laurie is, yes. Uh, um, my, you want my take on horror movies first, and then we'll go with you? Sure, let's okay. get that out of the way, yeah. So I will admit, as a kid, I don't want to say I'm a I was a chicken shit, but yeah, close to it. So anything a little extreme, I tended to avoid. And my parents didn't have to, like, tell me, oh, don't watch that movie or something. Monster movies just kind of freaked me out when I was a little kid. We're talking, like, age three to six or something like that, maybe to eight or something like that. I knew, and then we're talking early 70s here, you know, and I knew about magazines like Famous Monsters, and I'd go to the newsstand, and I'd flip through it, and I'd get freaked out, and I'd have to put it back, so I didn't buy it for the longest time, I just looked at it, and the first issue I ever bought, it was like 10 in like 1977, so that's not, you know, um, but movies that came out during, that I was aware of that were big, it was like The Exorcist in 1973, as a little kid, when that came out, you couldn't have paid me to go see that film. Now yeah. I've seen it many times. Uh, it's like, I can't say it's boring, but it's certainly not as 
explicit as my six-year-old mind was making up in my head. You well, know. So societies change that too, because as horror films have, you know, uh, gotten gorier or scarier or more, you know, uh, contemporary, the, the scares of our childhood won't be the same, you know? It, right. it was so impactful at the time that people, first of all, the lines for the, theaters were around the block when it came out and right. people were fainting, people were throwing it, people were, you know, having incredible reactions to this film which they hadn't had probably since the 1930s and 40s when, you know, when the original Frankensteins and Draculas and all those movies right. shocked them. And you look back on those and those are tame and, and I don't say lame, but they're certainly not as impactful as the word, um, right. you know, but it's funny you mentioned The Exorcist because that comes up a lot in my book. It does. Yes, it does. And, and I have read through it because thank you. Well, you gave me an advanced preview so I can uh, read through and ask you a few things which I've written down here. Um, going back to my story, just to kind of where I started to fall into horror, yeah. um, the, next, the next big horror movie, which is kind of arguable, but a few people had on their list, was Jaws. And again, couldn't pay me to go see it when it first came out. I did see it when they reissued it in 79 with Jaws 2 as a double feature. Mm -hmm. And there is a couple scares in there at that age that you know, like the head when it goes in front of the boat or out of the whole boat. Oh my God, I jumped out of my seat when I first saw that as a kid. That's on the same level as um, the jump scare in Alien, the first right. Alien. Those yeah. are the same level of wow. Yeah. Now, the next movie, the one you just said, Alien, by that age, which I came out in 79, I was about 11, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. There were some scares, granted, but by that point, I could see those things, you know. Um, so that's when I started immersing myself. I was buying Famous Monsters. I was buying Pangoria. I was buying all the different magazines that came out. Um, I still have most of them. And it was still in the days before home video. So I was going, damn it, I wish I could see this movie. Or you'd see it if they showed it like say Boris Karloff Frankenstein, but it was chopped up or with tons of commercials. And it's like, it was a grainy print that was all shaky and scratchy. And you're like, but it was something. So you just kind of glommed onto it. Kids today, they're all, oh, they didn't remaster it right. I'm not going to buy this Blu-ray. And it's like, you don't know what it was like. It's like, you had to just catch it when it happened to be on and it, whatever quality they showed it at. So yeah. after, the, after that, oh, I'm sorry, I finished my story. After that, you know, I fully became immersed. I would see, like, everything. So I've seen all the Universal ones. I've seen all the Hammer ones, Amicus. Um, seen all Friday 13. Uh, recent stuff, really recent stuff, I haven't been paying attention to as much. But, I mean, I've seen, like, the Saw movies and uh, Hostel and a few things like that. But it's so, there's so many made today, it's hard to keep up. So I just pick and choose and see a few things. But it's not my prime genre, so I don't actively seek it out. But if I see it, I'm fine with it. So. It's funny because I, I, in the book, I detail how I've, you know, my origins of loving monster movies. Um, but I also say, and you mentioned so many, that there's so many come out. I also say in my book, admittedly, nine out of 10 horror movies are not good, but it's worth watching them to get to that 10th. And, and I was doing a library appearance the other day and um, 
the few friends of mine were in the audience who I knew were Mets fans, and, and I grew up being a Mets fan as well, and I still am. And I, I, I equated it to, um, yeah, the Mets would lose nine out of 10 games, but it was <laughs> worth it to wait for that one game that they actually won, which balanced out the others. The yeah. first, um, first movie that um, I saw, remember seeing, was Bride of Frankenstein. And I always say, you know, my first memory in life is seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And, you know, it's debatable because I, 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 this might have been before it. And it, I didn't remember it until I was writing the book. And I really, you know, pressed myself to remember what was the first movie I saw. And it's very distinctive as to why I, I remember it is because my mom had been wanting me to see horror movies for a while. Mm. And in those days, they were called monster movies. The, the right. word horror didn't exist. And... Um, in those days, like you say, you can't just press the Netflix button and watch whatever you want. You couldn't go to Redbox. There was no streaming. There was no HBO. There's no on-demand. None of that. So you had to see what was on, when it was on, whether it was whether it was the Monsters of the Monkeys, Adam's Family. If you missed it, your only prayer for a sitcom was to see it in rerun. Right. Next and summer. Only, <laughs> yeah. And, and your only prayer for seeing a movie was having something which was the Bible for television, and that was called TV Guide. And unless you scanned that TV Guide and you looked at every column and every channel, and there weren't a lot of channels. I grew up in New York. We had the three networks and then three local channels, Channel 5, 9, 11. So we only had six channels to, to, to pick from, and only the few of them came in good. The others, you had to hold the antennas up in a certain way. And if you move, forget it. You'd lose it. It would become static. So my mom says, hey, you're finally going to get a chance to see not the movie I want you to see, which was Frankenstein, but the second closest thing to it, which was Bride of Frankenstein. And I said, all right, I guess. The, the. I remember it started and I went right to bed. I wanted to go to bed early. And I never, Mark, I never wanted to go to bed early. I was a midnight kid like my kid. <laughs> I went to bed. I couldn't sleep. I just heard the first sounds, the opening, whatever. I said, I'm not, 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 no way. Next day, this was a holiday. We had off the whole week. And Million Dollar Movie would show the same movie at 730. And it would show on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It would show the same movie the whole week. Yeah, I've so, heard that. <laughs> so if it was Gone with the Wind, if it was uh, whatever the movie was, it would show the entire week. So Bride of Frankenstein was on again the next night. And I'm like, what is this t torture? How dare it be on another night? <laughs> but my mom was a little tricky. She made the Jiffy Pop popcorn. She made warm milk. She put blankets on the two of us. My dad had gone to sleep and said, you know what? We're watching it. And I, 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 I sat there. And I had the blanket over my head. <laughs> I listened to it, barely. Mm -hmm. Third night, I knew she was going to put me through it. And I kind of watched it like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of looked at it. And I didn't want to watch it, but I kind of liked it. Thursday night, I watched it and loved it. Wow. And Friday morning, when I got up, I said, Mom, is it on again? When is it on? I couldn't wait the whole day to see it again. After that night, we scanned the TV guide to see when were there Dracula or Wolfman or Phantom mm. or any movie. And I got hooked on a TV show called the Chiller Theater, oh, yeah. and Creature Features. And those would show like these really bad horror movies or science fiction films from the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't get enough. To me, there was no such thing as 
the colossal beast was as good as for <laughs> everything was great. Yeah. And I, you know, those were my three passions growing up was baseball, Beatles, and monster movies. And, and I was a horror kid, you know, I would get every monster model you could. In those <laughs> days, it was the Aurora uh, right. models. Right. And I made them all and I loved them. I got, like you said, all the famous monsters of Filmland. Here's a, a latter day version of one of those models um, that was remade years later. Right. Um, but of course, that famous The Bride of Frankenstein, which was <laughs> the first one I'd remember seeing. And um, I, I just couldn't get enough of it, never knowing that fast forwarding years ahead, I'd be hosting Dracula tours to Transylvania, <laughs> um, producing paranormal conventions um, for, for my horror things. I'd be, you know, building and operating and running and eventually selling a haunted house. I mean, my God, my own haunted attraction. All these things were amazing. And eventually, of course, putting out this marvelous book called The Book of Top 10 Horror Lists. And on the other hand, from the musical point of view, and I think we can see uh, The Wolfman and Dracula and Yellow Submarine <laughs> right next to it. Um, <laughs> the worlds didn't collide. They were just as important. And with the Beatles, I went on to, as we've talked about on past shows, produce Beatle conventions, publish a magazine on the Beatles, Good Day Sunshine, do the Beatle tours to Liverpool, still do the festivals. And, you know, and, and there's a Beatles book in the pipeline for me. Um, so uh, the things that I loved, I was able to somehow turn into, I'm not going to say money makers or, or my, my uh, profession, because it's certainly not. I'm a DJ. I entertain at weddings and bar mitzvahs and school dances and any occasions. That's my actual vocation. That's my job. That's what I do best. And that's what I get paid well for. Everything else is just an amazing hobby. And I'm so blessed that my passions growing up turned into things that I could not only do and love, and maybe uh, in some cases make some money on, but bring other people such happiness and joy. And that's, you know, what a blessing, you know? It's funny you mentioned, you know, you said uh, Yellow Submarine, and you're saying you, you kind of try to put it together, but even in Yellow Submarine, there's Frankenstein's monster in Yellow Submarine. There's sure. King Kong in Yellow <laughs> Submarine. So they have the connection there of monster icons and things like that in that film. So, I mean, it wasn't, too far-fetched to, and, you know, even uh, the Beatles themselves, I mean, like, in, in Help, you know, they have kind of, like, uh, you know, the two bumbling scientists that's kind of, you know, kind of like the old monster scientists and more Frankenstein like, and stuff like, like that. More like a James Bond 007, but I can see that. Yeah. You know, and the cover here of the book, uh, yeah. we've, got, we've got, you know, Frankenstein, yeah. right? And uh, King Kong. And right. they're one one above one's next to each other and those are the two that you mentioned that were both in yellow submarine right. and there's one scene in yellow submarine and it's a split second and i don't know if you see it because it goes by so fast where just three exclamation marks come on the screen for no reason did you ever where? see that where is that <laughs> well you'll watch it again in slow motion and you'll eventually see it oh, so okay. that so that justified you know, my three exclamation Oh, okay. I never knew that, and I've never that's, asked you about that. That's not the reason. That's oh, okay. <laughs> i got to show you something which will be your – this is the defining moment of my justification of everything, is there's a picture of me. It's in my book, yeah. and it's of me as a kid. And oh. what am I playing? All these great Aurora monster models, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm in my pajamas. Yep. And right behind me, what do we see? The Beatles. Beatles yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have created this. I couldn't have made this up to a found this was like, oh my gosh, this was I'm the monster kid with the Beatles poster behind me. And that you know it, it all it all the, the universes and the stars all aligned in that picture. And it all just, you know, had I known back then, who, who would have known that I that you know yeah. my life would be um monsters and and beetles and all this fun great pop culture stuff you know what's weird i never thought about this till you just said that um i said i started buying famous monsters in 1977 that was also the same year i became a beatles fan it was 1977 and it's like wow yeah i didn't realize that happened at the same time i was aware of both prior to that monster movies and the beatles but it wasn't like I was had to have it or was collecting it. They were just around, you know. And I'm sure you even well. I don't know how, how young were you when that well, uh, Bride of Frankenstein was. 1977 is a very very um, important year for me, believe it or not, because hmm. I was still I was still high school or college. I, I was I was just you know starting to get uh, entrepreneurial or whatever the word is. And okay. then I attended Beatlemania on Broadway that yeah, year. Yeah, I did too. A girl got me to not go, Broadway, but <laughs> uh, touring. And and in 1977, I think I attended my first Beatles convention as well. And mm-hmm. I knew that there were conventions in Boston. Joe yeah. Pope had been doing the Magical Mystery Tour conventions. There were conventions in New York, and I was right in the middle. So Boston, New York, I'm in the middle, and I'm in Connecticut, thinking, well, wait, these places have them. Why can't Connecticut have them? And, <laughs> guy who was clueless and still a student you know borrowed mommy's money and daddy's money and and sold my butcher cover and did whatever i i had to to, to put on a little convention and this rinky dink convention was a joke i mean this so few somewhere <laughs> so few people attended uh the, the the special guest was the president of the Beatlemania fan club i mean come on and and, and one band and five dealers but somehow the spark of that exploded and continued into other things. But uh, 1977, and I really don't think about that a lot, but that was a very pivotal year for me. And just prior to that, I had a dear friend whose dad had a luxury box in Madison Square Garden before luxury boxes were the norm. And this was a big deal. And he said, any concert you want to go to, I will take you to. He had just moved to Connecticut, we were classmates, and that was his way of getting, you know, in with the cool guy. And he, I said, all right, well, I understand the Stones are coming. Uh, I've never been to Madison Square Garden. I've never seen the Stones. I would love to go to that. We go, Billy Preston opens. This is like, what a show. This is amazing. Mick Jagger's <laughs> dancing on a phallic set. Everything about it is great. And then a few months later, they announce wings are coming to to Madison Square Garden. And I'm like, Mark Katz, I want to go with you to see Paul McCartney at Madison Square Garden. It's going to be great. You know, he's my all-time favorite. And Mark, who's already ingratiated himself with the school and is no longer needing to be, you know, friends with the cool guy, says, well, you wanted one and you saw the stones. I'm taking my friend Dory to that. Oh. <laughs> uh, 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 so it was many years later that I saw Paul. But anyway, no. why did I digress to that? Oh, because that you because you mentioned that you're you know, yeah, yeah, that you um became Beatles and 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 uh and monsters around seventy-seven. 
And at that point, I was starting my, you know, uh, promotional career around that time. Hmm. Now, uh, uh, when you saw Brighter Frank Snap, how old were you then? I think five. Okay. Now, were you aware of monsters or monster movies prior to that? Or no? I don't know. I mean, I, I, we, we read... We read comic books together, so there were surely monsters in, in you know, Superman was fighting another alien every week in those comics in those days, you know. So I was aware of them, but not that there was a monster in a movie, you know, a yeah. real life monster. I was still, for me, it was Bozo, the Three Stooges. <laughs> So you started in humor too, so yeah, yeah, and and what else? Probably the the Looney Tunes cartoons, yeah. and then whatever the spinoffs were, you know, uh, Deputy Dog and all those. You know, I live for those cartoons and and for Three Stooges and for um, uh, Bozo the Clown, who I actually appear. My first, you know, I've done a lot of TV work and a lot of movies, but my first time ever on TV was for at a Bozo. Uh, show that I attended. It was the yeah. local uh, Bozo the Clown who went nationally, um, and they, they who wants to do a commercial in between. I, I raised my hand. Yes, yeah. the fat kid wanted to be on it, and it was for uh, you had to drink the whole a whole thing of Nestle's Quick, and wow. all these other jealous kids in the audience were screaming, "He's not going to finish it. He's too young." Eh? And I was like devastated because they pulled me off it. But they saw how devastated it was, so they had me do a commercial for Ronzoni Salabone. <laughs> wow. And on the way out, I remember we passing offices because um, to do the commercial, you had to go into another area and then come back. And I remember passing a studio that had Chuck McCann in it. Oh, yeah. And Chuck McCann went on to be, you know, quite an actor and a, yeah. and a great pop culture person. And he also um, was a Laurel and Hardy uh, expert. You know, he, he portrayed... Uh, um, Oliver Hardy, and he was a, a re, he's a great guy, and and yeah. so wonderful. And years later, uh, he, he was in California, and I somehow found him on Facebook or whatever. And I told him about I told him about passing by, and I told him that whole story. And at the same time, I said, "Can I get a top ten list for you for a horror book that I may put out someday?" And sure enough. Yay. Yay. Chuck McCann, who probably 99% of your audience has never heard of. Uh, well, he did a few national things. I mean, probably the most famous thing outside of New York uh, television is probably being in TV shows like Far Out Space Nuts, which was on Saturday mornings. Or yeah. he was in the right guard commercials where he op- the guy opens a medicine cabinet and goes, hi, guy, you know. So, hi. you know, hi. I mean, and then he was Sonny the Cuckoo Bird on the Cocoa Buffs commercials See, for you years know so, this. Yeah. you know this the yeah. great thing what i think about some of the pop culture people in this book is Ma- the mark arnold's of the world will know everyone in there there's a few i didn't but i'm not going to ask you about those <laughs> i figure <laughs> I, i'd love to but, hear which ones they are um if you're not a sports guy you may not know dave winfield you know yeah, there's so many that. rock stars there's so many actors and there's a ton of um scream queens who yeah. people might not have heard of but I don't just put their lists in, Mark, as if, if you notice. Right. I also do a little bio on them. Mm-hmm. And if they're not connected to the horror field, but I found a connection, like Ruth Buzzy played a witch in a movie. So I made sure I listed that. Right. And <laughs> I think that, that the interest of the book is not just for horror fans, but for celebrity and pop culture fans and people who thought, 
whoa, I never knew who that was. Of course, I remember him from TV. Of course, I saw that guy in the movie. And when you see his the fo photo in the book and you see the name and you see their list, it really connects and it resonates with the, so many people who are, who are reading the book and loving it. Right. Um, the one I remember, and I don't know if I have it on my notes here, but wasn't it Gary Puckett who doesn't like horror movies? And he gave Gary a non-horror movie. Was it him or is it somebody Gary else? Puckett, no, Gary Puckett gave a great list. Uh, um, who is the one that gave it anti John Sebastian. Oh. <laughs> right, from the Lemon Spoonful, um, yeah. Woodstock legend, John Sebastian. was very reluctant to do this. He said, he's no, he doesn't like him. He's not going to do it. And then the same day he said he's not going to do it, he shoots me off this great paragraph on going to see a horror movie and getting scared. Yeah. I thought, well, that's cool, but I'm not going to put a chapter on one paragraph. And then he comes back the next day with another paragraph. And I thought, all right, you know what? I love the guy. I'm going to put his list in because even though it's a few, yeah. the stories he told were so good, yeah. they deserve to be in the book. Now, there's a few other people who said, we don't like horror movies yeah. or we don't like scary stuff. And I say, well, I want you in the book. The best two examples of this are Sarah Karloff, Boris Karloff's daughter. Yeah. And of course, Boris, there's Boris right there. Yeah. <laughs> the Frankenstein model to say hello. And there's, <laughs> just to make it a nice little visual. And there's another one coming up, a shrunken. Kick out of this silly stuff. So um, Boris Karloff's daughter, Sarah said, I don't watch monster movies. I don't like horror movies. I, I barely saw my dad's movies, but I'm going to do a list for you. What a trooper. God bless. She goes, I'm going to do a, tr a, a list for you of the things that have scared me through the years. That's her list. Brilliant. Number 10 was doing this list was <laughs> that scared her. The other one that is farthest from a horror fan was John Lennon's sister, Julia Baird. Mm -hmm. And we're dear friends. You know, I see her every summer when we go to Liverpool. She's come over to my Beatle conventions. And uh, I, I said, can I please get a list for you? And she goes, let me think on it. She comes back and says, I'm sorry. I don't like horror movies. There's no way I can do this list <laughs> unless you go along with what my idea is. And I said, I'm sure I will. What is it? So let me send it to you. She sends me this huge dissertation on the horror aspects in Shakespeare. Uh, whoa! This was the, one of the biggest chapters in the book, yeah. the most intellectual one. You know, it's like a college thesis. She did the top 10 horror aspects of Shakespeare's work. And I was like, wow, amazing. So the people who weren't horror fans, who did come through with lists, really came through with great lists. Very cool. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned John Lennon's sister, but you actually did get a beetle in the book. Ooh, didn't I though? You know, it's funny because <laughs> <in the back, laughs> it's up to you the, if you want to reveal who it is. <laughs> in the back, I put there are lists from a beetle, yeah. a McCartney, a Lennon's sister, which is Julia, a Karloff, William Shatner, one of the monkeys, one of the monsters. And then I go on, you know, a rock and rock, five rock and roll Hall of Famers, a baseball Hall of Famer, you know, to whet the appetite of someone yep. who's maybe just reading the back. So <laughs> the beetle, the beetle we got 
was of course the drummer before Ringo, Pete Best. Yay! And, and, <laughs> and he deserves, I mean, you know, there's a few people who I put in the book who didn't really follow the rules. Now, when I say that, I requested a list with the reasons why. Because right. just 10 movie titles or 10 names of, you know, Stephen King books or 10, it's just... It, okay, it's, I'll take it, but the only two I let get away with that, I think, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, were Pete Best mm -hmm. and Gloria Gaynor, <laughs> disco queen Gloria Gaynor, because her hit, her hit is I Will Survive, yeah. and that could be the title of every horror movie where the kids get lost in the, in the right. woods. Right. <laughs> so I thought the two of the, you know, those two uh, did just the, just lists without. But yeah. getting Pete Best, that was, you know, a big, uh, a big to do for me because I, I love Pete. We've been friends for a very long time. I mean, to back to the early 80s. But um, he, 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 you know, he's he's not forthcoming with that kind of thing. So we get him to do that list. Was, I was very proud. I was happy enough just to get the list without the explanation explanations for him, right. <laughs> and he, you know, and he anchors it for Beatle fans because him and, and John Lennon's sister. Because there's nine Beatle chapters, nine lists. There's mm -hmm. nine monkey lists. Mm -hmm. So I mean, being a Beatles fan, being a monkeys fan, and being a horror fan, I had to get in enough Beatle lists so that my Beatle people wouldn't say, you know, Charles, we've been waiting for a, a Beatles book our whole life from you. You got to, you know, if I didn't put enough Beatle content in there, I would have yeah. gotten, I would have gotten big, big, big balls. Well, I, I looked through the book pretty well. I didn't read it word for word because, yeah. uh, because I do want to absorb it a little bit better. But, you know, from what I saw, it's very well-rounded for the lack of better term. You know, it's like you yeah. kind of cover all of, I mean, if I had a quibble, but I don't care because I don't care about sports as much. There's only really one or two sports people, I think, Correct. you know, Correct. so it's like, if that's one of your interests, I'm surprised it's a little bit low, but Hey, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when the book went together and when I came up with the title, you know, uh, the book wasn't finished. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, all right, do I put monsters, celebrities, actors, athletes, and rock stars. It still sounds a lot better than authors, directors yes yeah so so it's it, it, it works for the title and there is uh like you said one or two one baseball hall of famer dave winfield yeah and that's, and that's a huge one um and in the sequel bride of the book of top 10 horror lists hopefully i'll have some more uh, uh you know um uh, athletes but mark you know it, it makes sense who do yeah. i know my contacts my friends my right. database are mostly rock stars, you yeah. know, and, you know, people who have come to my conventions or people, you know, who were at RockCon, which was weekend of a hundred rock stars. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people who are in there are people I knew. And that's the easiest. You call up, you know, you call up Greg Hawks from the cars and Hey, how's it going? What's new? You know, you, 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 yeah. you for and bullshit a little. And then finally say, Hey, I need a favor from you. Yeah. <clears throat> and they come through the yeah. one who couldn't and who was, was very close to, as you know, Peter Tork, and he wrote a beautiful rejection letter, but he said he doesn't like horror movies and he probably mm -hmm. hasn't seen more than a handful to do a justifiable list. The mm -hmm. one who also uh, didn't see enough uh, monster movies, but I put his list in because uh, it, it was so special, was a gentleman who we lost um, not too long ago, Ed Asner. Yeah. 
And you know, he he adds a little class to the book. You know? Yeah, he does. When you think about you know some of the people in there, they're great pop culture people, but they're not of the William Shatner level, the Ed Asner level, and. I'd been trying to get Ed Asner. I don't know why. It was one of those that I just <laughs> got the thorn up my tuchas and said, I want to get Ed Asner. So I sent it to his publicist, nothing. Sent it to the manager, nothing. Found a home address, sent it there, nothing. Sent it to, um, uh, uh, he was on a movie set, nothing. The studio, nothing. Finally, he was on a Broadway show. <laughs> and I had a messenger bring him the request so that when he was you know, backstage, he actually saw the list. And he wrote back, and I don't know if you saw it in there, yeah. uh, there's a postcard of him. And in his, his writing, he goes, you're more of a stalk, better stalker than Scotland Yard. <laughs> and, he <laughs> me, and he goes, you know more about this. You come up with 10, uh, 10 different uh, titles. And I think he gave me six or seven, whatever it was. Yeah. How could I not put that in? Yeah. A, because I of, think one of them was a TV episode, but it was something that was really good, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So I got lucky with some and really, really pursued them. Yeah. And others, it was just like, hey, how's it going? This is what I'm doing. Wow, I love the idea. And yeah. uh, Elliot Easton was one of those. Yeah. No, it's fun, the variety of people. And it is fun if, you know, they're not quite the fan, you know, because depending on who it is. I mean, it's just surprising to me that somebody like, say, Sarah Karloff, who grew up around a dad that was making horror films virtually his entire career uh not enjoy them or not like them and it's like wow <laughs> it's right, like right. you know and things like that so if you have like scream queens saying that they like horror films well that's like a no-brainer you're in these films all the time i would think you would like some of them or you're just doing it for the money and the screaming i don't know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> some of them gave really uh articulate lists i was very yeah. I was very pleased. Um, the other people who are in the horror field who are still with us, one of them is Ron Chaney Jr. Ron Chaney, who's Lon Chaney Jr.'s son. And uh, there's also Lynn Lugosi, who's Bella's granddaughter, and Bella Lugosi Jr., who's her dad and Bella's son. And I I'm friends with them. And I couldn't get a list out of them. And hopefully that'll be in the sequel. Uh, but they got the book and liked the book. And I mean, how could you not, you know, if, yeah. if you're related to Bella, you're in the book a lot, right. you know, a lot of people actually um, cite him. And here's yeah. a cool, here's a cool Bella <laughs> right there. The Miko doll of Bella. Pull the string. That's my invitation of <laughs> Martin Landau doing Bella Lugosi. There we go. Pull the string. Let me ask you some questions here. You know, one of them you just answered because I was just saying, will there be a volume two? Well, you're talking about that quite a bit, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to jump back to just saying what made you came up with this idea in the first place. I mean, yes, you know all these people, but it's not a natural thing to say, oh, I know this person. Maybe I'll get a top 10 horror list out of them. So what was the genesis of this idea? Right, right. So 2007, 2008, I, I'm, I'm shaky with the dates, but I was um, already doing the Dracula tours to Transylvania mm -hmm. for about 10 years. Yeah. And um, I was building Fright Haven, which was Connecticut's largest indoor haunted attraction. I'm thinking I got to immerse myself more with the horror community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, this is me doing a Beatles convention without giving it any thought. I jump into things. Yeah. 
It's like writing a book. I just right. jumped into it, but I didn't jump into writing this book. This was a long time coming, and I'll tell you why. I did an online column called National Horror Happenings, hmm. and it was for examiner.com. At the time, this was an online news thing. Uh, a friend of mine, Steve, did uh, the Beatles examiner there was a every, it was an examiner for everything and i wanted to do a, a horror examiner where i previewed upcoming horror movies i uh reviewed them uh i did tidbits you know uh and and it was really cool so i was doing this and it was got a lot of readership but i started on a lark i loved i love david letterman and i love the top 10 list that he would do and i said well let me do a see if i can get someone to do a top 10 horror list and i asked kevin clement kevin is the uh, originator of the Chiller Theater Expos, the, the horror convention, okay. which are now celebrity shows in New Jersey. Uh, he's the grandfather of these events, and not an age grandfather, but in seniority, because he's the first one really uh, after Fangori. Fangori was doing weekends, I guess, and Famous Monster, but he established, this was the show on the East Coast. And I said, hey, Kevin, you know, I want your top 10 list. Oh, how am I gonna do that? You know, the, he did it and it was good. And I put in the book. And then I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to be doing this weekend of 100 rock stars. Mark, I produced a show called Rock Con. Right. And it was just that, a weekend of 100 rock stars. I thought this is going to be the Comic-Con of music. <laughs> this is going to be the event that every year, and I'm going to be a billionaire, blah, blah. I lost the fortune on the show because I had <laughs> a ton of guests and not enough attendees. But that's to be expected. Again, I jumped into it. But I made friends with Al Jardine from the Beach Boys, Mary Wilson from the Supremes, Tommy James, Ron Dante. The list isn't endless, but is 100 people there. And before the event, I thought, well, here's how I'm going to help promote the event. I'm going to get a top 10 list from Phil Fang Volk from, the, from Paul Revere and the Raiders, from Ron Dante, from all these cool people. I'm going to print their list on my national horror uh, newsletter, and I'm going to say, come see this person at the RockCon. So it was all a promotional tie-in. So I'm doing these lists, and I stopped doing national, um, uh, the National Horror, Horror Happenings newsletter um, because Examiner folded, and I thought, okay, that's fine. I had, I had my joy. When I was putting out Good Day Sunshine, the Beatles magazine, for almost 20 years, that was a chore. That was 80 pages every other month. And I said to myself, I I'm, doing, I'm doing six books a year. Mark, you know, the joy of getting the published, finished item is phenomenal. But the work and the source that goes into making this thing, nothing is worth that kind of time. And I said, I'm never going to do a book. And people will always say, when are you going to do your Beatles book, Charles? <laughs> Not. When are you going to do a DJ book on all your adventures and all your hysterical stories? Not. And then during the pandemic, yeah. I'm home. I'm not DJing because there's no gigs. I'm not booking bands. I'm, the tours aren't happening because no one can travel. Uh, there's no conventions. I'm not producing anything. My juices are, freak, are going crazy. <laughs> I'm watching horror movies with the kids, yeah. playing tons of pinball. If the weather's not, we're going bicycling and hiking, so I'm staying in shape. But, but that creative a type personality that I have that always is looking for the next thing is, is just going bazooty. So the next thing becomes Connecticut's first paranormal convention, hmm. which I did the following summer. It's doing another Beatles festival. It's adding it to it's a, but it's also 
way. I have all these lists. It won't be such a, a monumental task to find the lists, lists, <laughs> edit them, make sure they sound good, you know, so that the people who gave me the lists sound as good as, as they should. Write the bios for each one. Get a great photo. And then also um, maybe do a photo or two of the one of the, 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 the horror movies that they might be mentioning. Well, I was about 15, 20, I don't know how many short, and I got on the horn during pandemic when everyone was home. I said, Gary Puckett, I need, I need a list for this book. Yeah. No problem, John Lennon says. I really, you know, worked it. I worked it really quickly. And within a few weeks, I had a hundred. And I said, you know, the, the, the convention I did, RockCon, was a weekend of a hundred rock stars. I want to do a hundred celebrities in this book. Hmm. And I got it off to a, a publisher who, um, you know, is, is known to both of us. And it, it, it kind of, I didn't realize it takes forever to publish a book. I thought, well, good day, sunshine. I finished the book. I had it back from the printer in a week. You know, Fred Velez, who does monkey books, he self-publishes. He puts it in there. He's got in a month. I thought I'd have it. And then last Halloween, I would promote it. But there were a lot of typos there was a lot of issues going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i thought yeah i don't know what i could do and get this book done and out and a friend of ours mike ventrella stepped up and said i'll do the layout for you and he added some graphics he added you know some yeah. more posters he juiced it up um if there was what you call orphan pages if you're in the industry that's you know a blank page unnecessarily inside or a half a page and he filled it he made it look even better and within a month after he submitted it for me we had uh the manuscript the proof the galleys it was ready to go and then a few months later, finally, um, you know, August of this year, we had the printed issues and I'm going crazy. I'm doing podcasts, I'm doing interviews, <laughs> I'm doing book signings, wherever we still can, you know, COVID's not over. Mm -hmm. So a lot of libraries aren't very, you know, uh, welcoming for, for in-person events, but I'm doing horror conventions and, and as many events as I can to get the book out there. And I'm having so much fun with it that uh, I'm, I'm planning another book with, a, with another author named Mark Arnold. I'm doing uh, at least one, possibly two or three, and then, uh, and then a sequel to this and then a spinoff of this. So uh, I, I, I guess there's about four or five down the pipeline, and they probably, some of them would not be happening if it wasn't for you. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that you're actually thanking I'm mentioned in the book. I saw my name. Oh, it was in, you are. And, and it was the only color letters in the book. It's, it's 3D. <laughs> it's color. And it says, uh, it's 3D. <laughs> we, thank, we thank everyone. Can you put a box around it? It says right here. We thank everyone who helped this author put out the book, except Mark Arnold is what And you says. misspelled my name too, damn it. I did? No. <laughs> oh, no. A-S-S-H-O. No, 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 no. No, I spelt it right. Oh. <laughs> I no, I'm, very, I'm very grateful for all your input to the, to you. the book. And in all sincerity, uh, you know, you, you, you hooked me up with the publisher and you were very, very, you know, you gave your time very freely. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Well, now that you know, I mean, I'll say this before I ask a couple more questions. I mean, it's like I did my own fanzine for years. It was right. about Harvey Comics, but 
yeah, after doing it for 21 years, I said, you know, looking back on it, I go, I didn't ever have time to do it because I did it like clockwork. It had a deadline. It's like, da, da, da. the cool thing about books, even though they do take longer, there's no real deadline. Nobody's really forcing you to get something. I mean, you have in your head, you know, like in your book, you want to get out by Halloween, Halloween but yeah. nobody's saying, I, you know, you have to get this out for the 50th anniversary of this thing. You can, but, you know, I don't try to do that. Uh, I happened to luck out with my Chipmunks book that came out on, on the 100th anniversary of Ross Bagdasarian, but that was wow. just luck, you know, I, because I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. But but the main thing I was going to say, it is a lot of work, but you don't have the general pressure deadline typically, so you right. can kind of work on it a little at a time. Like. Right. I mentioned at the top of the show, or maybe before the show, did we mention Keith Scott on the show? I don't remember, but the voice of Bullwinkle, he was on my podcast recently. He's working on another book. He did a book called The Moose That Roared, which is excellent about the history of Rocky and Bullwinkle and all those cartoons. Yes. yes. And he was asking me, you know, and I think he's like professional celebrity and everything. He's asking me, Mark, how do you get all those books done? And I go, you just work on it a little bit every day, you know, and you don't worry about deadlines. You just, you know. You know, it's like, what can I work on today? Well, you know, I got an hour here. I'll work on my mad book. Well, today I have an hour here. I'll work on my Beatles book or whatever book I'm working on. You know, it's like, you know, and uh, eventually it gets done. I mean, you know, that's the the main thing to do. Um, True. And Good Day Sunshine, you know, the pressure of putting it out and getting it out on time, because I was very anal about that. I, I remember I would get it. Because in those days, we weren't as computerized. I hand-addressed 5,000 envelopes every other month. I stuffed them. You know, I had a team and friends and girlfriends and parents, whoever was helping me, stuffing them. But then I stapled them. And then there was bulk postage, and I'd get it to the pipe. I'd have to bring it to the post office. And I'd come home, and I'd go, oh, great. I have two days to not do anything. And then three days later, start again, I'm yeah. working on the next one. <laughs> I don't know how you did. I still have my issues, though. So, And I have the Good Day Sunshines, too. Before you say it. Anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, the people you got, were you surprised who turned in lists? And in saying that, were you surprised at some of their selections of movies? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Mark, I was surprised at every single one. <laughs> I, I really, you know, uh, famous actress Karen Black, um, very respected. You know, she was in uh, Trilogy of Terror with that, <laughs> yeah. with that um, crazy little doll. <laughs> um, and, you know, I somehow found a contact for her. She gave one of the greatest lists. Mm-hmm. And um, what I, I think I might have actually made a mistake early on because um, in, in trying to get lists, I would send out a sample list, you know, what my template was. Mm-hmm. And I would send her, hers as an example, and I would send Eddie Deason's as an example. Mm-hmm. And for listeners who don't know, Eddie Deason played Eugene in Greece. He was Ringo Klaus in I Want to Hold Your Hand, the voice in um, yeah, SpongeBob, Polar Express, great guy, you know, yeah, yeah. true fan, a real big Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. And his list was Great. And her list was great. And I think when I sent it out, their list was so great that I might have intimidated some people who might have otherwise given me a list and uh, added a few words thinking that, oh, my God, I have to be this brilliant and come up with clever 
reasons for every song. So um, when I did get one back, and it was someone I hadn't heard of for in, in such a long time, I was like, whoa, how? And but more more crazy is how did I find these people? I to this day don't know how I got through. And this is like, you know, we talk about big stars who are in the book. They're not such a big star. Do you remember the unknown comic from the Gong oh, Show? Oh yeah, Murray Langston. Murray Lang. Okay, thank you. You know Murray <laughs> Langston because he was on the Sunny and Cher show. You know yeah. him from a lot of places. Yeah. A typical person who's not a pop culture buff and is not, you know, into the things we are might not know the unknown comic unless they saw the Gong Show. I don't know how I reached him, but there was a connection there in that he was roommates with Linda Blair for a while. <laughs> for whatever reason. And I didn't get Linda Blair's uh, um, top 10 list, but I got his. And hmm. I just, I don't remember to this day how I got some of the ones <laughs> I got at the time. Um, but they, they always, you asked if any of them surprised me. They all did. Yeah. And then one thing, you know, at the top of the hour, I was kind of giving my brief history on things and how I got in the horror. But then as I was reading the book, I was saying, I wonder if anybody would pick this film. And um, when I was little, I didn't consider these horror films, but as I'm older, I could see they could be, and they're two of my favorite films of all time. One is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and somebody had that on their list, and I believe somebody else had The Wizard of Oz. And it's like, they're not traditional horror movies, but they do have scary scenes. Very and, scary. Uh, you know, in the case of The Wizard of Oz, you know, the witch looks like a classic witch you would see in, you know, any story about witches, you know, Hansel and Gretel or whatever, uh, Snow White or whatever that has witches in it. So, you know, I, it's like, I guess I did like horror movies prior to that, but they had to be like controlled circumstances. They'd have to be like, like in the case of Willy Wonka, it's not the whole thing is a horror movie, although you could think of it that way. I mean, there's scenes that are happy and funny and stuff like that. And just very little of kids getting sucked up chocolate tubes and <laughs> down egg shoots and uh, things like that. But <laughs> scary aspects of both of those movies. And I'll tell you something I haven't told anybody else. I pulled out two lists from the book that were ready to go. One was from an artist and I'm not going to mention his name nor why I pulled it out. But the other list was a top 10 list of how the wizard of Oz could have been even scarier. You know how she meets the, the 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 person who's selling the potions, who eventually is the wizard. You know, right? You know the things that he could have done with that little girl, right? And then the three uncles who are in her bedroom all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you What's know, wrong with that? You know, it's really horror aspect. Named Hunk. So someone came up. With <laughs> top 10 things that made Wizard of Oz even more scary. Yeah. And you know what? We decided I don't want to ruin that movie for some people because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they'll never watch it the same way. They will watch it with, oh my God, that could have been a pedophile <laughs> or oh my, you know what I mean? Now, so, now when did you see, I want to ask you about that because everybody's seen these movies, I think. When did you first see Wizard of Oz? I probably saw around eight or nine. Okay. And, um, and I loved it. And I don't remember being scared. At okay. It. Okay. But I remember showing it to my kids and they loved it, but they were very jaded because I took mm -hmm. my, my son to see, um, drag me to hell when he was three. <laughs> and, 
and uh, machete, machete, okay. bad mm-hmm. grandpa, jackass. I mean, I, I thank goodness that there wasn't a, a parent association <laughs> in these theaters because I would take them. So they were jaded. You know, when a, when a horror jump came out, they would laugh. They would wow. get hysterical, but that's the age that you could, because they also came to my haunted houses at that age. And then a little later on, like nine, ten, it was a little more reluctant. They saw the, they saw Mama, they saw a few horror movies, and, and I know that it scared them. And then they didn't they didn't want to come to the. They were able to act in the haunted house, but they didn't want to walk through it. Yeah, they didn't want people jumping. Them. So you know, for me, as I've gotten older, nothing. I always say nothing scares me, and I'll walk through a haunted house if it's my own or a competitor's, and I'm like, ah, to be to make them feel good. And nothing, nothing scares me. But as I've gotten older in age, I can't go on roller coasters. Yeah, I I went through. I mean, it's funny how you. I was going to say roller coasters earlier when you're talking about your experience with Bride of Frankenstein. I started the same way, but with roller coasters, the first time I actually rode on a proper one, I kept my eyes shut. And then my friend, and it was a a free day in junior high school where they took us at the, you know, because we were graduating eighth grade and uh, everybody loved roller coasters. I couldn't stand it, but we went to this theme park called Great America, which is still there in California, but it's virtually 90% roller coasters. So if you go there, I mean, there's nothing else to do but eat if you don't go on these things or go in those little cars that go around in a circle and go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so my friends were dragging me in. So the first time I went like this and then, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, it's scarier if you have your eyes closed. And I go, really? And so the next time I kind of went like that, where I was kind of blink, you know, and, and, and by the end of the day, I was going on all of them and I was like, yeah, you know, and then flash forward like 20 years, and that's like I was going with another friend of mine's kids on all these roller coasters at a different park, and I was starting to get queasy and sick, and I go, oh, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I guess that's what happens with age. I don't know. I don't think I'm that old, but, you know, it, it wasn't as fun anymore. No, I remember know. my 20s, I, I went to like amusement um, parks with either girls or friends who were more scared than I was. And that's the time I was the best because it was like I was the brave one. Right, so, right. You know, it didn't bother me. And then the, the scarier, the, the, the more, you know, thrilling it was, the more I enjoyed it. And somewhere I got that que- queasy thing. And, you know, yeah. my kids, you know, in their teens and they go on everything. Not, I mean, you know, they'll do bungee, they'll do anything. And I can't, you know, I'm doing, you know, bumper cars now. I, yeah. But, <laughs> and but, I never thought that would happen. But, but no, but well, I'll tell you something interesting uh, where we tie in roller coasters and, and scary stuff. Um, I would host at my haunted house. I would be the Crypt Master Chucky people before they came in. I'd, I'd give them the rules. I'd give them a little shtick, a little humor, a little comedy, uh, put them in a sense of salt false sense of security, whatever you call it. And then they'd go in and they'd get, you know, very scared. Um, and then a little kid would come up and no, they, we walk up to the door. They, they see me, I'm dressed like a maniac. They don't want to go past me. They don't want to go in. And I go on my knees and I go, look, look, I'm a normal, I'm a normal guy. Do you go on rides at the amusement park? And the kid will go, because <laughs> he's crying. He doesn't want to go in. Yeah, yeah. I go, do you remember how scared you were the first time you went on a roller coaster? And then you said, mommy, I want to go again. Well, this is like that. You're going to go through, you're going to get scared, but it's in fun, like a roller coaster. And when it's done, it's done. 
And you know what the kid, and, and I, this worked with so many kids. And then one kid looks at me and goes, I'm scared and I hate roller coasters. I go, well, <laughs> so much for my uh, speech on why you can go through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, going back to Wizard of Oz one second, I just wanted to, you know, it's my show. I can talk about me all I want. Anyway, <laughs> no, uh, I saw it at age four the first time on television. And we're talking like, well, I'm 54 now. So 50 years ago. 1971, and that was the same year I saw Willy Wonka in the theater. But um, the scene that freaked me out, which probably it was like that freaked you out. But when I was, it didn't like I didn't run from the room or anything. I was just like, "Whoa, that's creepy." Um, when the house that falls on the Wicked Witch of the East, you know, it's the two legs just sitting there outside the house, and then uh, they take the shoes off, and then the legs curl up under the house. I was like, whoa, that's creepy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that's what the, that was the only thing that really scared me that I remember on that film, the first time I saw it. And then at the end of the film, I started crying. And uh, my parents were like, Mark, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Yeah. And I go, I'm crying because it's over. <laughs> wow. because, because I wanted, I loved it. I, I wanted to see it again. Of course, back then you couldn't, like we said earlier. And so I was like, oh, I'll never uh, see it again, you know. But anyway, I see it a zillion times then, so I don't cry anymore. It's usually, it's usually <laughs> people say, um, the flying monkeys scare them <laughs> It didn't on me, yeah. I don't no. know. It's probably because there's a lot of monkeys on TV, the monkeys. <laughs> but also Lancelot Link was on. You know, monkeys are Planet of the Apes movies were being made. Monkeys didn't scare me, you know. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of my nightmares. And I don't remember if this emanated from the monkeys in Wizard of Oz. I don't think so. I think maybe King Kong. I don't know why. Or maybe going to the Bronx Zoo because I went there a lot. <laughs> I remember I'm walking down the street with my parents or one of my parents, I don't remember. And we're going to the corner and we're in the Bronx, whatever else. And then there's the gorilla and it's all friendly until its arm starts stretching out around the block to get me. <laughs> A combination of King Kong and Elast and Plastic Man. The arm just stretched around the corner, and I woke up. And it's, I don't remember a lot of nightmares, but that's one of the ones that stayed with me, and I remember from childhood. First movie I ever saw in the theaters was Dumbo, and I wasn't scared at all. First movie I remember seeing on TV was Bride of Frankenstein, and I remember my mom taking me to a theater in the Bronx. It was either Help or Hard Day's Night. I, I, I'm, I'm think it was Help. Um, and all the girls, it was a packed theater and it was probably a holiday. Maybe it was Columbus. I don't know. Everyone was screaming. Whenever Paul would come, it was screaming, screaming. My mother stood up and in her best New York Bronx, she goes, can you all shut up? It's a movie. Why are you making noise? We're trying to watch the movie. Um, and now you know how I got Charlene, but why do I think, why do I, think I think of that? Because I was probably very embarrassed. And that was probably one of the scariest things of my childhood was that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I've told that story. So that was. Well, well, now that makes me think you mentioned movie theater movies, but you, you saw Brian Frankenstein on television. What was the first movie you remember seeing in the theater that you would consider oh, I, a horror I, movie? Uh, it, it, I, I thought it was Dumbo, but it, what's the movie? It's not really a horror movie. No, I don't yeah. mean the first movie ever. I just mean first horror movie. I, I don't honestly remember, but I will tell you the movie that I saw in a theater that gave me nightmares. Okay. And I was much older. I was probably in college, so I shouldn't have been getting 
nightmares from movies, but for some reason, wait until dark. Huh. Alan Arkin and Audrey Hepburn, what you know, which not a horror movie, it's yeah. a home invasion yeah. movie. That gave me nightmares, and I had that that flu-like uh half asleep, half awake all night, thinking that someone was coming through the window. You know, and it's that that could bring up a whole other topic of whether that was a horror movie. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned Jaws, you mentioned King Kong. Since my book came out, those are the two that people always say, are they horror movies? Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because, you know, King Kong, he's right there. He's on my yeah. cover. And um, I think well, the other he, one, which I think is number one, if I remember in your book of the don't give it away. Oh, well, don't I need to mention what's number one. Oh, you, you, you mean the all-time what everyone picks, and then I put in the- your book. That doesn't mean it's the all-time number one, but I have to mention it. Is that okay? I won't mention it. Let's see if people can guess it. Um, the number one that I remember in the book yeah. uh, isn't really called, considered a horror movie either, is oh, it? No, it's yeah, yeah. You have to look back at what the number one is. It's it's yeah, it's the one that everyone picked, and it's it's the definition of a horror movie. Okay. Um, yeah, the one that it's got the most votes by all my celebrities, um, thirty-four. So like a third of the hundred people voted that one as number one. But the you're one, not gonna say what it is. The one after it, you know, an Alfred Hitchcock movie. We're not gonna say which one it was. Uh, you know, that was. Sure, it was <laughs> was that movie. the number one or is that number two? It's number two. It's number oh. Two. So yeah, I was yeah. thinking Psycho is one. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay. So right. um, it's really funny because. But I'll let me say- talk about. I wanted to talk about Psycho anyway. I wasn't really talking about whether it's the words. I, I don't need to preface what's in the book, but I'll just talk about random horror movies. Somebody might like them somewhere, but <laughs> now, Psycho. do you think Psycho. people dis? You, you brought up an interesting thing by bringing Wait Until Dark because I mean, is, do you think for the average person or for yourself that movies that are kind of more psychological thrillers are scarier than just like some monster walking through the room even with jump scares yes but if it's the 1930s and you're in a dark movie theater and you see frankenstein on that screen for the first time yeah you're going to faint. You're going to be in shock. You're going to live with, I mean, that's going to scare you or Bela Lugosi or, or, you know, whoever, even, you know, as silly as it is, even the creature of the black lagoon, whoever it is that comes on the screen at its time, we're jaded, you know, I have seen some of these on the big screen. Do you have any sort of repertory movie theater that shows older movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the the normal ones have fathom events where they'll, you know, bring back on an anniversary. You know, recent movies, there have been some great ones. You know, Malignant's out now, and that's really good. There's uh, The Quiet Place 1 and 2. Brilliant, brilliant movies. So, you know, horror is definitely... You know, it, it, it definitely grew. But, you know, someone says, I saw The Exorcist and it don't have the effect that it did. I get yeah. it. And yeah. you got every generation uh, of, of movies, you know, the things that might be the scariest, uh, whether it's Scream or Chucky, you know, it's co- some of it's comical in retrospect. You know, people can sit and watch the Friday the 13th movies and as bloody and as gory and as a slasher as they are, they're cheering, you know, they're cheering Jason's kills. They're laughing at them. Right, so right. 
so so many movies are movies of their time and you know the the question of whether psycho was a horror movie that's definitely it was a horror movie because people okay. were too afraid to go into showers for how long right because they were too afraid to go back into the ocean and beaches for how long. yeah because i mean you mentioned jaws and some people don't consider that a horror movie but in my mind i think jaws and psycho are kind of peas in a pod you know they work on your fears that you could have in real life you know fear of somebody attacking you while you're in a vulnerable spot actually both are fear of being attacked while you're in a vulnerable spot in yeah. the water you know <laughs> so right. home invasion with wait yeah. until dark in the water with jaws in the shower yes great example and i think some of the horror movies overdid that because you know for a while i was afraid of, uh to to show any of my kids movies where that where they open that medicine chest because <laughs> whether it's the monkey's head or oh yeah head when he opens the big eyeball <laughs> or can, no matter what you do with that medicine chest something is going to be on that other side and so you know <laughs> um but but you were right. The, the more natural things is the, is the, and that's nothing more scarier than if it could happen in real life. Yes. Yeah. But then you might, we might agree also that there are what you said, monster movies and horror movies, you know, and yes, they can overlap, but they can also be separate. Like, you know, you wouldn't call necessarily psycho a monster movie unless you think Norman's mother is, a monster, you know, but you know, it's like, and we won't go into details. If you've never seen the film, nobody will be seated at the first. Different level of monsters. When we see monsters, <laughs> yeah. we think of, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolf. But, um, you know, th- we haven't even talked about it, but I mean, but it was Hitchcock trying to do William Castle. And that was probably the first horror movie I remember seeing on TV. And I'll tell you, this was like in 1974. So I can't say that. I never saw horror movies. I just didn't go to the movie theater to see horror movies. So um, my dad flipped on, and this was even in the afternoon, he flipped on Mr. Sardonicus. William Have Cass- you ever seen that movie? I saw it when, when it came out when I was a kid. And that movie freaked me out for years. And it's, it, I've looked at it since. It's pretty campy, pretty cheesy, but it freaked me out for years. I was like, Oh my God, is what happened to him? Could that happen to me? You know, it's like, you know, and it's like, because I was a little kid when I saw it. It's like, I didn't know, you know, it's like, um, as you said that I did think of, I did think of a movie that I saw in a theater that did scare me and I had seen horror movies, so it shouldn't have. And I, maybe because I wasn't with my parents, I was with my aunt and I'd never seen with her and I wasn't in that same comfort. I don't know. I want to say it was called The Skull or Screaming Skull. Oh, yeah. But the music was so intense in that movie, (laughs) the movie wasn't scary. No, it's not. But the music is good. I remember that. Yeah. And the music (laughs) got to me. And we had to leave the theater. And I don't think I've ever walked out on a horror movie since. But I had to walk out on it. Now, now has there been a movie in recent times that freaked you out? freak you out i mean i have one and i'll tell you in a second but yeah, for different reasons you know um the human centipede you know uh and one and two uh, just because of its grossness um but no not re- what what movie do, comes to mind for well you? this is weird because um i didn't think it would because when i saw it i wasn't scared it was just afterwards um uh 
I live in Oregon now, as you know, but I, I was living with my dad or my parents for, at first, and then my mom passed away, and the, my dad down in California. And my dad, up until the pandemic, was traveling around the world. So a lot of times, I'd just be at home alone. Oh. No problem. I don't care. I'm an adult. I can take care of myself, you know. So I see the movie The Mist. <laughs> and when I saw the what? Based on the Stephen King movie. Yeah. And it, it came out in the last decade. Based, based on his book. Very yes. disturbing. The, yeah. worst, the worst ending of a movie in history. Yes, it is. It has a very bad ending. And that's probably one of the reasons I walked out of the theater and I'm like holding my nose and, you know, not literally, but, you know, I just kind of went home. And then the next day at my dad's house, I'm the only one there. My dad's house is up in the mountains. So there's like nobody around. It was really thick fog. <laughs> and I was kind of freaking out, you know, and I said, oh, my God, I'm freaking out this stupid movie that I saw last night. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So the- that's the last time I, I've ever kind of got kind of, the, the other previous time, what was it called, Cloverfield or something, where the, they were doing everything in real time. That's that was, it, 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 it didn't really scare me as much as it kind of made me think. It gave me pause, you know, I was like, oh. hmm, you know, it's like just because of, but it also kind of made me a little seasick because it was like, Right, right. It was yeah. a found found footage movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll, Same I'll, thing with uh, Blair Witch, you know, that Blair type of Witch, thing. Yeah, which yeah. is just a brilliant, uh, you know, promotional campaign leading you to believe that it was a true story, you know, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just fun talking about these movies. And, you know, for me, um, I love the, I love the switch. I love the shock surprise, yeah. whether it's a movie called Sleepaway Camp from when we were a kid, you know, from the shock ending. And if you don't know it, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to see it. To Sixth Sense, the most brilliant twist in history of movies. Unfortunately, Uh, I guessed that, so I didn't enjoy that very much. I did. I I, I swear to God. And I didn't see it in the theater. And I did honestly, swear to God, did not know what the secret twist. I just knew there was a twist. And so... We checked out the movie, and I was watching it with my dad, and it was like the first five minutes of the movie. I go, well, should I reveal it? I shouldn't say what it is if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it by now, well, I don't care. Rosebud is a sled, okay? You know, it's like um, after about five minutes, I said, isn't Bruce Willis dead to my dad? Wow. And, you know, he goes, I guess so. Yeah, and so we're watching it, and at the end, they go, oh, it's the big climax. Here's the the reveal. Which you knew, which you knew. I guessed it, you know, and it's like, I I don't try to play sleuth and sit there and go, I'm going to guess this twist ending, but that one I totally did. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and everyone's like raving, that's the best movie ever. I was like, sorry, I guessed it. (laughs) And and you know what? If I guessed it, and I usually guess stuff, and I'll say it to the kids, or I'll say it to my wife, and I'll say, oh, this is obvious. It's such and such. I didn't guess that. And to this day, it's in my that's in my top ten list. Yeah. And, and it's not because I didn't. I mean, I respect anybody else who likes it for that, but it's like I just guessed it right away. It's like and... a, similar, a similar movie, which which is just a hair below that for for reveal for twist, was a movie called The Others with Nicole Kidman. And just the fact that I'm saying that anyone who sees it now is you can't now watch it without expecting what the twist is. So it's unfortunate. So I probably shouldn't mention these type of movies, but Malignant, which just came out, hearkened me back to um, 
to uh, Sleepaway Camp because yeah. it's got that real cool reveal at the end, which ties it all together. Just can't be enough to be fun and uh, scary enough to be a horror movie, but it's a cut above. I always want it to be a little different. And when I'm scrolling through Netflix, everything is, you know, the, this girl is, her husband leaves her and she's in the house alone and it's possessed. Or the kids are going in the, you know, into the woods. And unless there's a real, real, you know, play on that where it plays off, so many of them are just so similar. You know, and that's a little, it's a little frustrating, but the ones that stand out, my God, it's, it's worth it to sift through to get those. Now going back to your book, one thing I noticed, you didn't put your own list, uh, I remember. Is that correct? Well, what I did <laughs> is instead of putting my own list, which I may put in the second one, for I some reason, I didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want to skew the reader to think, <clears throat> well, maybe his list was out before someone else's. So therefore they knew I, I didn't want that. Right. Kind and of I, I get that. But if you're doing a sequel, I think you should like the very last list at the, the end of the book saying, so, okay, now I can put my own, you know, or something to that effect. No, no, no. So the last list in this book yeah. is a top 10 list for me. Oh, and it's okay. my top 10 favorite roles that I've been in horror movies and horror sh and, and shorts and stuff. So I thought, okay, I've got my top 10 list in there. It's actually, there's two. I did a top 10 list of my favorite William Shatner uh, genre roles <laughs> because I gave him two chapters. One was his list. Yeah. And because he's like a, you know, a God in, in this whole field, science fiction and all this. Right. And I thought, well, he's going to get a second chapter and that's my list of his, what I thought were his best roles, Twilight Zone, all that. Um, but yeah, in the back of the book, um, if you get that far, after you read everybody else's and there's an A through Z, the last one is Robert Zapata, who is the drummer from Cannibal and the, and the Headhunters. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he in there? Well, you know, they opened for the Beatles, but that's not on tour. That's not the reason. How could you not have Cannibal and the Headhunters? I know. <laughs> right? So after that list is my list, and it's actually my favorite film roles that I was in. And as you know, I've been in a bunch of horror shorts and indies and, and grade Z movies, most of which I get killed in. <laughs> and like, well, here's, here's, uh, this yeah, I did. I did see that. But you know, yeah. I, I would like to see in the sequel book your yeah, I will do that. Favorite, this is yeah. uh, Zombie Chronicles, yeah. and I get shot in the head, and there's the <laughs> that get to it. Here's um, me with bullet holes in my neck. Wow. Here's a shot of you know, my kids in a movie playing trick or treat. So I thought, you know, it's my first book ever. Yeah, yeah. I got to put a little of me in it. Oh yeah. And I thought by doing that, I did a nice larger intro. So that people who know me and say, oh, you're the Beatles guy or you're the DJ or, or whatever will understand why I did a horror book. And uh, I put that at the end because my ego wanted to see stills of me in, the, in these <laughs> horror movies that no one's seen, no one heard of. They're grade Z movies. So you got to really search to find a movie called Pink Eye, where yeah. I play an escaped lunatic and then get killed with a crowbar through my neck, That's through my great. head. You know, so uh, I had to list those things. That was why I did that as my top 10. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I had leftover lists. You know, yeah. Gilbert Godfrey gave me one. Um, uh, Ruth Pointer, the Pointer Sisters. I got a lot of cool people who gave me lists that were too late for this. So I figured, okay, I'm going to do a sequel. Yeah. 
I'll include all these amazing lists. Yeah. And now that I have a book, I can show people and say, look, there will be a sequel to this. Yeah. This is a great book. You will love it and you'll be in the next one. Yeah. So it might be a little easier to get, you know, to yeah. solicit lists. Hey, if you but, got Gilbert, you should get Frank Santa Padre as co-host. So he's a big I'm, horror buff too. I'm really excited because I'm going to be on their podcast. On the oh, very good. Yeah, you'll definitely get it then. He'll do yeah. it. He wrote uh, for Mad and everything. So, you know, it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Gilbert's list um, is a great list. Yeah. I didn't get comments from it, but uh, I'll, I'll try to get that from him as well. Yeah, sure. Frank Frank's, Frank is the pop culture, you know, trivia guy. And yep, yep. <laughs> really yeah, and they might actually get you some leads for other things because they've had everybody under everybody. the sun under their podcast. They've missed a few, uh, but, you know, then now we're going to have you. But I scooped them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, they're really, if they're having me, you know, they're really digging the bottom of the barrel. I think <laughs> I think they're doing it, A, as a favor, you know, out of friendship, but yeah. B, because Gilbert, you know, did a list that'll eventually be in the next book. And yeah. maybe they, maybe they're, if they're not listening, maybe they think it's in this book and that's why they're bringing me on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert. What's going on? <laughs> he does, he I thought a, my list was in this book. <laughs> he does a great, uh, bar, uh, Bela Lugosi too. He does oh, a yeah. great spectacular. <laughs> the one the thing that i love about that show i have to plug their show because i don't listen to too many other podcasts because a lot of them are too similar or they have too many people just jibber jabbering about stuff i mean yes we are but it's like panels of people like discussing like topics and they don't have any clue about like, what they're talking about like, and i like, hate like, that like eight people discussing the best Beatles album? like or, No, 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 not even that. <laughs> no, it'd be eight people talking about the latest Marvel movie. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, I'm either going to see it or I'm not. I don't need to have these 20-something people telling me whether it's good or bad or whatever, because they probably will love it. I'll probably hate it because it's a three-hour uh you know, got to go to the bathroom show. And, you know, it's like, uh, they'll be loving all these CGI special effects that I don't really care about. And it's like, oh, well, but anyway, enough of that. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, about Gilbert. <laughs> you know, so Gilbert will do these impersonations of like really obscure people. And it's just hysterical. And it'll do the same impersonation over and over. Like it'll do John MacGyver, you know, which uh if you know who he is you know he's always like the stuffy guy that was in like um it's only it's only money or something like that and he was on mr terrific and he was in the apple dumpling gang he was on a gilligan's island episode putting the pussycat swallowtail which he sounded like this and, you know but he'll do a great impersonation as well so it, when you're on the show ask him to do some impersonations he'll, he'll love you for that you know <laughs> Did you do you, um what was the bigger hit, Mr. Terrific or Captain Nice? Well, ratings wise, I have no idea, but I will tell you this. I've Either never one. seen I've never seen an episode of Captain Nice because it aired like when I was one year old. I've seen every Mr. Terrific because I have a German DVD and they put them all out on it and they're in English with German titles, not subtitles, but titles. Uh but other than that, the show's completely in English. I mean, you could play it in German, but I had no interest. And so I've seen them all. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'd like to see Captain Nice. I've heard good things about it. But, you know, our mutual friend Jerry Beck loved that show when it came out. I did too. 
I but I think it was up against something really popular, if I remember correctly. Or it might have been up against uh, the other show, you know, and canceled each other out. I don't yeah, remember. it absolutely was. And I, I remember I saw one during regular run and then the other during reruns. And I think that was the case with Batman, which was, I think, on twice a week. Yeah. And it would, you, you would miss something really can't remember what it was up against but i remember a show that i watched above all and people would laugh at me it was a show called it's about time yeah with joey ross and uh, maybe fred gwynn i don't remember who else they did fi- they did finally put that out it has imaging coca and, and imaging coca was in it, right? you know i was di- dying to see that for years because i'm a huge gilligan's island fan huge brady bunch fan so i love Sherwood schwartz i'm friends with uh hope juber which yeah. you probably know and uh, who was the daughter or granddaughter? Is it the daughter? Grand- yep. Yeah, of uh, Sherwood Schwartz. And um, anyway, so I said, "Oh, it's about time." You know, it only lasts a season, but it's got to have that Sherwood Schwartz thing. And I'm watching the DVD, and I said, "Well, maybe it's because I didn't see it when I was a kid." But it's like I go, "This is it." You know, it's like, but there are some good episodes. But in general, I was just kind of like. But it's, you know, but it's got that theme song. It's yeah. about time. It's, it's a great theme. Yeah. Evil in a Strangest Place. Yeah. It, was worth it. it was worth it for that. But I, I still love Joey Ross, and I still love Imogene Coca. So I still loved it for that. But it was like, it was lacking a bit. Yes, yes, I love him. You know, but I love Car 54. And that's one I never saw as a kid. I saw, saw as an adult. I have seen every episode probably about five times since I bought the DVD sets. Because it's just so effing funny. You know? <laughs> Car 54, where are you? <laughs> I remember, it was funny because I remembered the the um, theme songs more than I remembered sometimes the shows. Yeah. And I'm looking through, because we mentioned um, Cave People, and here's here's where the, here's where the Beatles and um, horror collide again. We know that John Lennon becomes, you know, Frankenstein turns into John Lennon in Yellow Submarine. Right. But could we consider... A movie by the name of Caveman, a monster <laughs> movie that Ringo Starr was in, because he was also in Son of Dracula. Yes, but we forget that because the only redeeming uh, feature of that is is the soundtrack. You know, the Harry Nelson soundtrack because the movie is so abominable. But um, Caveman is is a great um, monsterish comedy yeah. with, with with dinosaurs and monsters in it. And there's this magazine, and it's from England. And it's called horror. <laughs> World of Horror. Oh, World. Right? And it's packed with horror stuff. But it, it also has an article called Ringo Starr's Monster. If you look at the cover, it actually says Ringo Starr's Monster. When did this and, come out? What year is this? Uh, when, when did Caveman come out? Hold on, 19... Oh, 81 then. Okay. Uh, is it, it, it was when Caveman came out. Yep, 1981. 40 years ago. 40 years ago. <laughs> and uh, Exactly. And so... Uh, it, sure enough, Ringo's in a horror movie because he was in a monster movie that had dinosaurs. And now I can't <laughs> find the page. I can't for the light. Oh, Ringo stars monster. And they show it because he's got this. Can you see this creature behind him? This giant, giant dinosaur that apparently was on his property for wow. a while. <laughs> right? Wow. And had I not gotten this horror movie, I would never have known. They call it the Beauty and the Beast as Ringo's uh, friend, sculptress Brenda Thomas of Swansea, recently completed a gigantic Tyrannosaurus Rex 
And this version of the T-Rex is a fiberglass model named Dillis for whatever reason that had to be transported to a 72 acre estate in Ascot, which is where John Lennon lived before Ringo. Right. And uh, this is just, it's just crazy that this is in here. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to correct it because this was not during Caveman. This is pre-Caveman. He's with Maureen in the picture. So uh, guess what? He was with, he was with um, dinosaurs before Caveman came wow. out. Wow. <laughs> but and, it kind of explains why he eagerly did that movie. I mean, because yeah. I think Ringo, even though he didn't make too many movies, he, he, it seemed like he had to have a reason to be in the movie, even if they weren't great movies. Like, I, I, you could name any of the movies as like Candy. Probably wanted to be in it because Marlon Brando's in it. Uh, was Bridget Bardot in that? Yeah, I think so. No, it's somebody else. You know, um, and then yeah, you go to love. Magic Christian. Probably wanted to jump at the chance Peter to Sellers. work with Peter Sellers. You know, I love Peter Sellers. Um, Blind Man. You know, you probably said, "Hey, it'd be fun to do a western." You know, it's like that. That'll be a day. It's kind of autobiographical. Uh, Son of Dracula, working with Harry Nielsen. You know, and probably you know, huge monster fan. I mean. Look at Goodnight Vienna. He has the, the Day the Earth Stood Still as his album cover, you know, with the, his head superimposed. But, you know, so was Ringo, Ringo has a connection that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was Ringo in Listomania? Yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, kind of like in a sequel to, say, of sorts, uh, to Tommy, let's say. So, you know, it's like another right. Ken Russell weirdness, you know. Right. <laughs> And of course, Ringo is in 200 motels, which is very strange too. And you know, Zappa and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low and Eddie and everything. <laughs> but um, anyway, do a show on Ringo's film roles. Yeah, <laughs> they did the Mock Turtle in Alice in Wonderland. And, uh, he was uh, Mr. Conductor on Shining Time Station. So it's like, <laughs> if you watch the the video for Rack My Brain. Well. You see the you yeah, know, that's mon- a monster movie, and, all the and you know, even the cooler could be you know, the little short with all his little videos could be considered kind of <laughs> horror ish, maybe. <laughs> you can stretch anything and make it horror, I, I don't know. Um, but I think out of all of them, Ringo's probably the closest to, to doing that. I don't know if, if I suppose if Lennon did more films, you know, other than the little short things he did and the live things, you know. Maybe, you know, it's like, I always wonder if he would have done a movie career had he lived longer, you know, just at some point. Because, like, look at Keith Richards, he's in those Pirates of the Caribbean, and even Paul was in one of them, you yeah. know, so. If we're doing, you know, the six degrees of separation, yeah. I guess we can say, well, John Lennon starred in How I Won the War with Michael Crawford, who was Broadway's greatest phantom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh um then george do you know the movie i you probably have seen it i can't remember if i've seen it or not little malcolm and the uh whatever the unix is that considered what is i know so was that a handmade film no that was an apple film but i mean is that i guess it's not a horror movie you know it sounds like it should be but (laughs) i don't know anyway A a bunch of those handmade films were a crossover, you know, time bandits. They had science fiction elements. Yeah. And then if you watch Shanghai uh, Surprise, you realize that Madonna was very scary in that. So, <laughs> there, so there's, 
<laughs> so there's <laughs> you can find you can find scares and humor in everything. Well, there is scares, you know, like in how to get ahead in advertising. If you've ever seen that, you know, he literally gets ahead. <laughs> um. So anyway, I don't know where we're we're going with all this, but <laughs> um. We're heading towards the monkey's head. We're heading towards eraser head. David Lynch's film. <laughs> no, no, we're not. The dogs are barking. <laughs> how, many dog, oh. how many dogs do you have? We got two dogs here. You know, now we're really devolving if we're talking about my dogs. <laughs> one, one is Peugeot, and the other one is I don't know. Toto. <laughs> That's actually an appropriate description. Cujo will bite me on occasion, and uh, Toto kind of looks like Toto, but that's not their names at all. But anyway, but. Um, Anyway, where where am I going on my show? I can't even uh, reel it in. On your sheet, yeah. What's the next question? I don't know. I think I've asked all the questions. I mean, it said, <laughs> "What made you come up with book?" <laughs> okay, here's one I didn't ask actually. Now that I'm looking at this, um, is there any? I mean, you mentioned a few of them, but I mean, is there anybody you you tried to get and didn't or? you're still trying to get a really would try to get. I mean, it's like, you might as well put the word out, then, you know, the, the gods and the cosmos and everything might work in your favor. And yet, I know that guy, he can, you know, I'll give Charles a break and I will, or they might be watching themselves and say, you know, I'll contribute to this. So is there anybody out there that would be like your dream person? Uh, and it's probably tons, but I mean, who would you like to get? The dream people would be people who are, you know, one who's not with us anymore is Donald Pleasance. Oh, yeah. I would have loved No, him. I mean still with us. I hate to say oh, because he can go on forever. Well, yeah, you know, because the, 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 he's, you know, him, Christopher Lee, those were one of the ones that I would have loved. So then it would be horror genre people. It would be like Robert Englund. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be John Carpenter. You know, it would be Jamie Lee Curtis, who I just wrote, wrote to uh, care of uh, AARP magazine because they did a whole piece on her. And maybe it'll get, I try to find unique ways of getting to the people. Um, I just, for some reason, I wrote to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, not because he's a great basketball, was a great basketball player, but he is a great great editorial editorialist you know he does a lot of great stuff for hollywood reporter for aarp magazine is his articles are just very very well thought and brilliant and very socially relevant and if he ever came up with a list i think it would be brilliant um so he's someone that i've tried to get to but i think it would be more of those of those horror icons like like a jamie lee curtis and uh you know i'd love to get bet midler you know because she was in hocus pocus right to get you know a john carpenter for what he did and sam raimi i could go you know what you're gonna get me going and it'll start aggravating me because there's i I know who you should try to get if you haven't tried who's that peter jackson yes your beetle connection the lord of the rings and 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 king kong and (laughs) and king kong if that's a horror monster movie and beetles i should get can you do that for me all right only one assignment i want you to get for me is peter jackson well let's get plastic on it i mean he's at least closer to the guy (laughs) plastic ep um no but i mean yeah there's anybody and everybody that could probably contribute a list and if they're big enough you'd probably welcome it even if it was like really bizarre i mean if uh right 
you know, Stephen Urkel from Family Matters would give you a list. You probably get, yes. I would love to have Stephen Urkel. (laughs) (laughs) Jaleel White will give his real name, you know. know, Arthur Fonzarelli, you know. Thank you for reminding me because my friend is friends with Henry Winkler and I need to get his. Okay. Because I, I, I think, you know, I will give you my opinion. I've, I kind of said this already, but I was most impressed with the more obscure people. Not obscure as fame, but obscure as you don't associate them with horror. And then they provided a list and you go, that was what I liked about the book the best. Give me an example of that obscure person who gave a list that surprised you and pleased you. <laughs> Now you're putting me on the spot, but you know, we mentioned him before, but Dave Winfield is a good example. You know, it's like, you don't think about a, ba- a baseball player yeah, coming up good. with a list. You know, you think about baseball players only thinking about baseball, but you know, uh, I get, I get asked that a lot. And, and, and for some reason, I don't know why my go-to is always Ruth Buzzy. I don't know why. Well, Ruth <laughs> Buzzy could be scary and laughing. She hits people with that purse. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the Dean Martin Rose. That's very, that's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> now you look like the Blair Witch Project. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute, Doug. Wait, ah, come here, come here. Wait, hold on. You got a cameo here. Is this Toto? This is Cujo. Okay. Oops. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. All right, there you go. All right, here's the Dougie. Okay. <laughs> higher, a little higher. Hello. 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 Oh, they can't hear me because we're on headphones. Oh, look at that. It's oh. actually Lulu. That's her name. Lulu. I'm gonna put Lulu on the put the light on so we can see Lulu. Lulu, come here. Oh, she's kind of shy. Okay. <laughs> I asked Lulu for a, a list. I didn't get it. She was one of my guests. Oh, Lulu, the singer. <laughs> I'm just trying to do segues here for you. (laughs) I know we're getting really distracted here. It's going to be the longest show on record because we're just kind of rambling now. Um, Surrounded by horror things, I don't know what to pull out, show you. But so uh, let me ask this uh, because Halloween is coming up, and I kind of made this kind of a Halloween show. We'll put this on before Halloween. So uh, any big plans about what you're doing for Halloween? You said you had your haunted houses. So what 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 are you doing this time, Ryu? So um, I'm not going to be at my haunted house except for mm-hmm. one day where I'm doing a uh, book signing. Okay. Um, uh, we have a group going to Transylvania as we've done every Halloween except last year. Mm-hmm. And they're going to spend um, their time uh, through, throughout the Romanian part of the country, which has the most uh, Dracula and Vlad connections, including all the castles and all that. Um, but I'm going to be at a, a horror convention, which used to be a horror convention, is now more of a celebrity show, and that's called Chiller Theater right. in, New Jersey, in New Jersey. So depending on when this airs, I'll probably be there. And um, I used to go there forever. I mean, I would go to every show, hand out my Dracula flyers, you know, say to people, oh, my God, oh, this is great. You love monsters. You got to come on my Dracula tour to Transylvania, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I would hand out thousands of these. And uh, I always said, man, I just wish I was in one really good horror movie where I was known so I could be a guest. And, you know, I've been in, as you know, so many, uh, I'll show another visual here, so many (laughs) unknown, horrible monster shorts and films and all that. And, uh, you know. What's what's your best 
what's your best known film if there is one so my best uh, that's a good question but let me just say that before I forget that uh, there'll be a pleasure being at Chiller Theater as a guest, but in this case, a guest author as opposed to a guest actor. But that might have helped open the door to get me in there. So my most famous role is not a horror role. It was as I played um, the other Elton John to Patton Oswald. We were both Elton John in, in HBO's Flight of the Concords. Oh, wow. In, in season two. Uh, episode seven called Prime Minister, which had Art Garfunkel in it. Wow. Uh, the two guys from Fly of the Concords, they have to be Simon and Garfunkel as a tribute act. So mm -hmm. there's a look-alike, uh, look-alike share. There's look-alike uh, Obama, uh, President Obama, and then there's two uh, Elton Johns, and I wind up chasing Patton Oswalt. So I'm in that. That's my probably my f most famous role. All right. I'll have to check that out. I've seen a few episodes of that show, but just not that one. So. And, and, and had you seen it, you would not have known it's me. Uh-oh. Okay, so maybe I know, but I don't remember that episode. I would have remembered an Elton John in it, but, you know. No, I've been in movies. I was in a movie with Ben Stiller and Kristen Wiig, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, as an extra. I was in uh, ESPN's The Bronx is Burning as an extra. So I've done a lot of things where I'm an extra. The ones that I'm most proud of, which uh, got limited theatrical release, and you can probably find on Vimeo, or, is uh, a movie called The Sadist with Tom Savini, who's one of the that. great makeup artist of all time. He was in From Dust to Dawn. And um, I play the dad in it. And if you if you find the trailer, mine is the first voice you hear in the trailer. So I'm really proud of that. Mm -hmm. I'm in the movie a little. I see my son off. He goes into the woods to go on a hunting trip with his uncle. And unfortunately, they cut, they meet up with Tom Savini, who's the sadist. Um, and uh, so I'm only in that a short time, but I'm the first voice in the in the trailer, which I'm proud of. And a new movie, that's just come out. And I don't know if it's one of these direct to, you know, I don't know how it works anymore when independent films come out, but I got to see it in a theater and um, it's called the night at the Eagle Inn. Huh. And I have a very small role, but it's strong. I play a demented. I'm always either getting killed or I'm demented. I play a demented <laughs> cross dressing uh, psychopath who uh, apparently had some problem in this, hotel that no one can get out of anymore mm -hmm. and uh i'm the one who warns the girl right off the bat that you know um she'll like in, in my own verbiage i'm saying she's never gonna get out of there and that um who's the pretty debutante me and i'm really going <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very funny over the top and i love over the top mm -hmm. um i'm in a i'm in a new uh, short film called the bastard son where i get to play um a guy who gets beat up and oh, did I get beat up? I mean, I really, I, I, there's there's a scene where I fly against the wall. I mean, I overdid it. And I don't know if I could pull it up on my phone and show you a scene. I'm, I don't even know I'm allowed to show scenes from it yet because it hasn't even been okay. edited. It's not in post-production. There's no rushes of it. Yeah. But um, what was really fun is I get beat up. Uh, yeah. This is what I look like after I get beat up. <laughs> wow. Really bloodied there. Mm -hmm. And I did a number on the door, <laughs> destroyed the door. I got oh. hit so hard that we broke the door. Oh, that wasn't planned. Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's a separate movie. From it, did you was, get hurt? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. 
the blood is fake. The no, no, I don't mean that. I mean the door. It looked like it really if you actually broke the door. I mean, let's... no, it was it was a body kind of thing. Oh, okay, it wasn't a break. Okay, never mind. Guy, I thought I thought you, you 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 fooled me there because I thought you actually got thrown against the door and busted it up. And it wasn't a breakaway door. Yeah, acting. <laughs> you know, I've been in a horror movie too. Come on, um, tell me. Uh, I, I just thought about this because, see, I have an IMDP, the IMDP page two. I think you have one, right? Sure do. Or you should. Um, and But most of my stuff is doing commentaries and documentaries and things like that. That's what I've done. Uh, but a friend of mine did this film about know, 10, 15 years ago called The Last Nightmare, and he was shooting it. He had a vacated house. I think it was his mom's house or something like that. And so before he sold the house, it was a really brilliant idea. He created, he, he made each room like a set. So he made the kitchen into a tiki bar, and he made the living room into a, like a mortuary, and another room like a prison cell and all sorts of things. And... Um, I was just there just because I was a friend of his and it was just kind of fun and everything like that. And then he's kind of looking, Mark, you're, you're kind of a sturdy guy. Sturdy. Um, would you like, to, you know, not fat, but, you know, a sturdy guy. You know, I'm pretty big and, you know. And uh, he said, would you like to play an FBI agent? And I go, sure. Do I have any lines? He goes, no. And I'm like, okay. But he says, um, uh, he, he, he asked a couple of the other people, he said, well, I need you to run after this guy, um, knock him down, and cuff him. And all the other extras and people that were doing FBI roles, they didn't know how to do that. They, it's like, and one guy tried it. It wasn't very convincing. And I go, well, I could do it. And he goes, all right. Um, so I chase after this guy, knock him down, and cuff him. And they get it all in film. It's in the final film. And uh, that's my big scene. And awesome. he goes... <laughs> Mark, how did you do that? And I go, well, I've watched enough shows like Cops and America's Most Wanted. I've seen them do it. You know, I just was imitating what I'd seen. <laughs> Nothing is better than to be in a film and not have to learn lines. Yeah, so I was in it, and it, it, I, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to embarrass them or anything, but a friend of mine was supposed to be in the film with a big speaking part, but unfortunately his stuff was cut. So he was supposed to be in the film and was cut, I wasn't supposed to be in the film, and I have, like, this big action scene where I'm knocking some guy over and cuffing him. <laughs> right. nice. So, anyway, and the film, I don't know. It's on, it's on video somewhere. You know, I don't know where it is now, but, you know, this is about 10, 15 years ago. So, so that's my big claim to fame on a film. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned IMDb pages. If people don't know, if you act, if you're a director, if you're in motion pictures, you, 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 it's the International Movie Database. Right. It's an honor to be on that. My first movie credit is a movie called A Gun for Jennifer, and it's mid-80s. And it's a movie that was made in Connecticut that I auditioned for and didn't get a role in it. But yet I was credited in the movie, and I'm credited on IMDb as my first role, which makes no sense. I remember I had to get angry. And in those days, I, I couldn't act. I really didn't know. And I yeah. couldn't get angry. I went, hmm. It was like the worst. <laughs> 
the worst that I did not know what I was doing. And they are well, you have another part. Can you do a British accent? And I went right into Ringo. Of course, I can do a British accent. And I was doing, you know, the Ringo from the cartoon. And it's just so embarrassing. I said, Thank you. Thank you. We want to use you, but I don't think we can. All right. Anyway, uh, and I get a credit for that. And I don't know how, but I provided audio and I'm credited on the end credits of a film. And I'm very proud of it because it was the first, before the Beatles anthology, this was the go-to film. It was called The Complete Beatles. Yeah. If you're a Beatles fan, that was, you know, that was the video Bible for many years, for a long time. And if I supplied a, a bunch of audio for that, one of the things I supplied was the John Lennon line of, you know, cheap seats, clap your hands, uh, the more expensive seats, rattle your jewelry. I had a nice, clear audio of that that I supplied to them and a oh, bunch okay. of other things. Yeah, so I got credit at the end. And if you sat in the theater or you watch it on your home video and you wait and wait and wait and you watch the crawls, I'm thanked in that. So that was my first film contribution. But the film that I was credited with, I was never in, which is very funny. That's <laughs> no, it's funny. On the um, complete Beatles, I thought you were going to say that you narrated the thing. And it's like, I, I don't think you narrated it unless you're doing a, no. a very uncanny impersonation of, uh, now I can't <laughs> even think of his name. You know, what's the actor's name? He was the, what's the actor's it, name who narrated it? He was, was uh, was, it was a proper voice. Um, yes, it was. Um, he was in. I can tell you what he's in. He was in Three Musketeers. He was in Four Musketeers. He was in Romeo and Juliet. Michael York. In, Michael York. Yeah, he was in Austin Powers. You know, that's what I was thinking of. And it was like, you know, so I was like, you weren't Michael York, were you? <laughs> I, will, I will give you my Michael York story. All right. And I just shared it with him because I asked him for a top ten. Okay, list. I was going to say, if you don't ask him for a list now after telling this. Go to it. Anyway. I saw, I saw Logan's run in the theater and loved it. The, the last, the third act, all right, it falls apart. But what a concept, you know, of, yeah. of killing people after a certain age. But I thought this was like an amazing science fiction film. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, um, uh, college radio, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong about the timing. But I know I saw a midnight showing of Star Wars. Yeah. And this is where everyone tunes me out and will never have any respect for me again. <laughs> I was nodding off. I thought it was so boring. And I said, oh, my God, Cowboys in Outer Space. This is like, this is going to go nowhere. And at the time, I wrote a review for my college newspaper. And they published it. And I thought, wow, this is going to be such a great review. I'm going to send it to what was called the New Haven Advocate. That was the cool, hip, you know, newspaper that you got free in all the campuses and everything else. So I published the, the, the college paper published it and it got the most nastiest responses. And the other paper just totally disregarded because I called Logan's Run a classic for the ages that will live on long after we do and will be seen as cinema uh, perfection for many years. And this Star Wars cartoon was such a horrible joke with the only redeeming factors were a couple of robots. And I said, but I'll, I'll go back to Lost in Space and I prefer the robots from the, I was just the stupidest, worst, thing I ever wrote in my life <laughs> and I sent a copy of it to Michael York to show him that how much I love Logan's run and that I was so glad he was in it I haven't heard from him since <laughs> well if it's any consolation probably isn't but I own both movies I enjoy both movies and uh I'll, I'll tell my Star Wars story for lack of 
any other reason to sell it, this is the place to do it. I guess since we're talking about monster movies, and there's a few monsters in it. Yeah. Um, I had no knowledge of it. I didn't follow pop culture really then. I mean, like, unless it was big. We mentioned Exorcist, we mentioned Jaws. I mean, if there was horror movies between those or around those, I didn't really think about it one way or the other. I mean, I guess The Omen came out too. That was yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, when Star Wars came around, had no knowledge of it, no interest in it. It didn't mean I didn't want to see it. It just, you know, some. The uh, story, and apparently this happened a lot of places, that Time Magazine did an article about uh, Star Wars, and that's really what helped it take off, because, you know, then older people who weren't so knowledgeable, like my dad's age, you know, said, hmm, maybe I should go see this. This looks like something interesting. And so my dad asked me, do you want to see this Star Wars thing? And I go, okay, you know, because I'll see anything in the movie theater. I'll still do it to this day, even if it's a genre I can't stand. Um, if somebody says, hey, you want to see this chick flick? Sure. I, if I don't have to pay, I'll, I'll go see it. I mean, maybe not during the pandemic, but, you know, it's like, but I love sitting in the movie theater. I love watching movies. I'll see awful stuff. I've only walked out on movies. Well, I've only walked out on a movie once, and it's because a friend of mine hated it so much. It was this movie called Cave Girl, not Caveman. <laughs> and it's a pretty bad movie. Um, the only other time is because I was, like, doing uh, work on a newspaper writing articles and stuff like that and i i got to see free movies at a movie festival but sometimes i had to be called out to do interviews and stuff so i have to leave you know but otherwise i will watch a movie and sit till the very bitter end watching all the credits so anyway yeah. so my star wars story is you know basically so i went to see it and i was like oh, ah, yeah so i loved it i was 10 years old and then at the end you know, because this is just the way I am. You know, my dad says, so what did you think of that Luke Skywalker? And I went, oh. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why is because I don't tend to memorize names or anything like that. You know, it's like, who's the main star of the picture? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just the guy flying around the ship. That's why I was noticing all this stuff coming at me. And I was going and flying around, you know, tell me, just say, what did you think of that blonde haired kid? Oh, him. Yeah, I liked him, you know. <laughs> So anyway, but that was my first memory. I was, you know, hooked. Um, but you know, now I'll I'll pull a thing just like you did. You know, it's like I'll never lose this down. You know, it's like now I don't give a crap about Star Wars. It's like I made it through Episode Nine, and I said that's it. Now everybody's talking about the Mandalorian and all the other stuff. And it's like eh, tired of Star Wars. You know, it's like, but I still enjoy that first movie and the first tr- first four, five, and six. Now you know, but the Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, and everything else, I'm like, eh, whatever. Even though I've seen them. I never, I never saw another one after Star Wars. Oh, really? <laughs> just, to be, just to be self, you know, just to say to the world. Not even with your kids? I'm shocked, you know? It's, it seems like that's a... With the re-release of the first one. Okay. And they liked it, but they weren't blown away either. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone Fair said, enough. you got to see Empire Strikes Back. It's the best of the bunch. Well, it's my favorite, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, you know, it, you have to kind of like the concept in the first place to like Empire Strikes Back. If you're not enamored with the first one, the second one's not going to help. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason we went to see it in a theater, I don't know if it was an anniversary or maybe they 3D'd it. Because I they might have done that at one point. I think it was that. But they 3D'd Wizard of Oz, as we were talking well, about early and other we things. Went, we actually Disney went Disney movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> We went to 3D Wizard of Oz in the theaters. Oh, okay. And 
I thought the quality of the film was amazing, but the 3D added nothing to it. Yeah, well, it's, it wasn't designed for it. I mean, you, you need to watch like Three Stooges Hoops or something where they got... <laughs> right. it's a, there's a, there's a, something, I think it's called 3D Frankenstein. Yeah. If you haven't heard of it, look it up. Yeah. It's so funny. It's a funny short. And it, 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 like every other scene is a 3D scene, right. unnecessarily. Yeah. And I used to watch it with the kids when they were like two or three. And we'd watch it in bed. And every time there was the, the scene, we'd, ah! we'd like fly back. to, to And they would <laughs> get hysterical because it was so obvious. You know, Frankenstein's on top of the roof, throws down a, a barrel of fire. Ah! You know, <laughs> uh, the, there's... <laughs> You're reminding me of SCTV when they used to have Dr. Tongue's house as 3D stewardess. And they go... I'm looking it up because it really I really want to know the name of it. There's, there's somebody you should try to get. Eugene Levy. Try to get a list from him. His his eyebrows are scary. Yeah. I'd love to get him. No, you know, I'd love to get Mel Brooks. There's so yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. How how many uh, you know people that I would love to get, and you know it just you you can't get everyone. Well, I, I might ask around too. I mean, it's like you know if uh, like if you want like Heath Scott, like I said, the voice who did Bullock, well, he probably contribute one if you think it would be appropriate. You know, oh. I could ask a few people. You know, <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are not in the music business. You know. <laughs> I have a friend of mine. I I have to say this, and he's he usually listens to these things. So you know, um, I, I asked him, "Have you listened to any of the recent podcasts?" Because you know, um, and I won't mention his name not to embarrass him, but he knows who it is. Um, I says, "Well, yeah, the recent ones. There've been a lot of music ones with this guy Charles Roseney. I'm not that interested. And I thought you just switched over to a music podcast." And I go, "Well." <laughs> I, I do have an interest in music and, you know, I am writing books about music like the monkeys books and the turtles book. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the turtles, you yeah. know, and I've written a Beatles book and it's like, Rosnay knows all these people. And it's like, it just happened to be convenient at the time to mm. have, you know, Gary Puckett and Bobby Rydell and uh, who else did we have, you know, uh, Artie Kornfeld and uh, Spanky and uh, John Barbada and, you know, Dinky Dawson all in a row like that, you know, but it's like this podcast is called Fun Ideas Podcast for a reason. So you can have that, but, you know, I would love to have more comic book people. I'd love to have more movie people. I'd love to have horror movie people. You know, I'll have anybody on this show. So it's like, anyway. Uh, so it was just kind of a funny comment, you know, it's like, uh, no, it's not all music. It just happened to be for a few episodes. So skip over those and come back to the next one. You never know. Who I'll have, if, you you know see, if you see Charles next to you, don't watch it unless it's this show, because we're talking <laughs> much more horror and, and pop culture than anything else. So you have to have more comic book people in your book. You better get, <laughs> but I don't know who's left. You can't get Stan Lee anymore. You know? It's like you can get Jim Steranko. You can get. Uh, <laughs> I'll be seeing him. Neil Adams. Get him. You know. <laughs> in November and Neil. Adams. Marv Wolfman. Perfect. <laughs> One of my favorites of all time, Marv and Neil Adams, of my yeah. all-time favorites. You should. You should get some comic book people seriously. You know, so that might be a good thought. You know, you know, you have conventions back there that those people show up to. No, no, I'm going to be. I'm going to be with Jim Steranko, uh, uh end of November in Boston. Yeah. 
So I'll, I'll ask them. See, it's really funny because I go to these conventions. I think I'm a guest. I'll be at a table. No problem getting to all these other guests. It's a problem. Yes. Because if, if they're popular and that line is long, they want to sell. They want to sign. They don't want to hear from this guy next door who wants to bother them for a list. You know, they don't want to be. <laughs> deal with that they'll right. deal with that on monday or tuesday when the show's over but by then they've lost that piece of paper that i gave them to put in the pocket so right right <laughs> well good luck to you on that uh, i hope the second book is as good or better than the first so um i guess so we should wrap this up we've been going on for three hours four hours this is the longest podcast ever seems like it thanks charles <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast that never ends so so give the big plug uh here's your chance plug away all right it's probably it's probably backwards but it's www book of top 10 horrorless and as you can see it's the number 10 not t-e-n and if you go to that website you can get the book on amazon but if you go to that website you can request a signed copy. And most of the people, you know, if you get to get a book nowadays and it's not a Stephen King or, you know, a big time uh, publisher, it's not James Mishner, you want to get it signed. And you can always get it signed from people like yourself and myself who are putting books out, you know, either with small press companies or, or have quantities available to send out. I send out either same day or next day. So when people go online, they have my email, they have my phone number. They say, hi, Charles, how do I get a book? Or they shoot an email and I, I'll, I'll, I'll get it right out. So that's the best way through the website. There's also a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash book of horror lists. It leaves out the top 10. So uh, you know, it's, it's, that's the other way to get to it. And I'm sure I have an Instagram somewhere. I'm not sure how to use that, but it's up there. Like you said, you have 30 emails, so you probably have 10 other websites that you haven't even talked about. So, oh, I have 30 emails that you don't know of. I have about 48 emails. <laughs> so if that's it, I, I, as usual, Charles, it's always a pleasure being on the, uh, having you on the show, even if you call me an asshole. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just spell it, and then I realized what I was spelling, and I stopped. Far be oh, it you're so sweet. Never, <laughs> unless it's Charlene or someone, you know, uh, on a, on a, on a, hello, look at you. Now you're spooking out for Halloween. Look at that. <laughs> Whoa, that's a great effect. Wow. That's just with a flashlight. Anyway, so let's wrap it up. Do you have anything uh, for more to say or just uh, have everyone buy your book and see it? Right, chiller? Buy the book. Visit me at a, at a con. I'm going to be in Fort Wayne at the Dead Convention. I'm going to be at Horrorville, Horrorville, uh, Horror and Paranormal Convention in Florida in January. Um, people, if you're in New York and Connecticut, it's easy to see me because I'm doing tons of things. But if, you, if you're on Facebook with me, you'll see all the places I am. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's hard to get out to libraries because they're still, you know, COVID conscious. But I'm trying to get to as many conventions as possible and sell the book and meet fans and say hello in person. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about your book, and I'll say this as a final thing and wrap it up, it's an evergreen book. You know, it's, you know, because the movies they're talking about are the timeless ones. We won't go into all of them, but they're the obvious big favorites everybody loves. And then a few surprises. I'll mention some of the surprises because, you know, like I said, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But 
you know, there's something for everybody. And, you know, what I liked in the, is the list in the back, you know, that lists how many people selected these films and what yes. they selected and stuff like that. So. A shout out to Janet Davis, who was my editor and um, proofreader. And she did the, the that she did those um, indexes because those would have just driven me out of uh, up a wall, and I don't think I could have done it as completely as succinctly and as professionally and completely as she did. So uh, shout out to to her for doing all that. Again, a shout out to Mike Contrella for helping with the layout. To you for um, you know being such a great support. I don't know if I would have put out a book had you not been one of my inspirations for Moral support. <laughs> My, you were one of my jaw straps for this one. You were hey. <laughs> you were my support. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, let, I guess that wraps it up. And I thank you for another Fun Ideas podcast. I guess I'll go on a spooky note as... <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for watching another Fun Ideas podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, and thank you, Charles F. Rosney, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 135 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Danny Salazi of the characters and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.